Amen. That was truly a blessing. Amen. Thank God there is peace in Christ for uh, a believer, isn't it? For a Christian, for a born-again child of God, despite of what's uh, happening around us. We can rest assured that God's word will always be true. Amen. He will always be faithful to give us uh, what we need as long as we continue to depend upon him. Thank you, Pastor Abel. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, uh, my daughter, Elena. I, I got your name right this time. Sometimes I uh, swipe them, mismatch them with my other kids. Uh, we're getting old, isn't it? But uh, before she was my youngest, you know, for, for 12 years, and then <laughs> didn't know. But uh, it's always a blessing for the Lord to give an additional member in your family, you know, immediate family. As we know that um, members, there you go, that's true. Children are heritage before the Lord, and... Uh, I do pray for uh, Eloise. <laughs> uh, we retired, really. <laughs> I do pray for Eloise. She's not feeling well for the past uh, couple of days. Uh, that's why she's not here. But I'm glad um, her youngest brother, you know, is there. And uh, he's a happy, happy boy, you know. And uh, I know he gives joy to, to anyone <laughs> who would like to uh, have him. And uh, we thank God uh, for the Lord's provision. In his life, uh, just sustaining him, as you know, you know, he was born premature, but uh, God is a God of miracle, isn't it? God is uh, sustaining God, so thank God for the blessings of children, and um, what, a, what a great responsibility, especially this day and age, isn't it, to raise kids. So we need all the help we, we can get from uh, the church family, uh, prayers, and of course, I'd like to praise and thank God personally for um, the greatest grandmother of all, my greatest mother-in-law here, um, for um, just being patient to us and just being there perpetually through the years to um, help us with the family. And thank God she's celebrating her uh, birthday today. Uh, can, can I mention your age? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's not ashamed of her, her age, you know, because it's the reflection of God's uh, faithfulness and goodness. She's uh, 37, you know. <laughs> There you go. Uh, invert that. Yeah, so. 1949 is memorable. Officially, when Israel was recognized as a nation, uh, when he has his own body of parliament. <laughs> Hang in there, guys. <laughs> Hang in there, old folks. Yeah, it might be this year, huh? Uh, look at that. But uh, that's why uh, we, we can find peace, amen, with everything that's happening in the world right now, with the wars and uh, injustices and um, everything is rising up, not just our paycheck, but, you know, <laughs> the, but, you know, well, we can always uh, know that God can supply and God can sustain us. Um, all right, uh, I, don't, I don't think I don't have to sing because uh, my daughter sang and my, bro my brother, so... Uh, I was about to sing uh, this song, He Was There All The Time. But you know what? Sister uh, Rachel had sang this before uh, beautifully. And uh, I think Sister Angie Deason too. And also my mother, my late mother. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just put that away. Next, next. Para makapag-celebrate ng birthday. So, it will be less. <laughs> All right. Um, today, our uh, message will be um, entitled, Where Was God? All right. Where was God? And uh, we've been studying the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapters 
uh, 1 and 2. And if you might ask the question, where was God when uh, Jerusalem was uh, in ruins, isn't it? When the gates were burned, when the walls had been broken down by uh, the uh, invading army of Babylon, where was God when the people of God were suffering because of this tyranny? And uh, as God's people, as we look upon God's word, we can always say that God is still on the throne. Amen? God is still sovereign, and God is still in control. That's why uh, I like to divert our attention in the book of Psalms chapter 46, all right? Psalms 46, uh, it's a sub-series of uh, the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Psalms chapter 46, a very uh, familiar passage of scripture uh, chapter. Actually, I think Pastor Jeter, this is his uh, memory verse, verses uh, 1 of Psalms chapter 46. And um, Psalms 46 was the scriptural uh, catalyst or a theme for the hymnal that we have in our hymns that was composed by the great Martin Luther. And the hymn title is A Mighty Fortress is Our God. So this is where he get the, um, the theme of that wonderful hymn. Also this psalm also launches a trilogy of psalms, 46, 47, and 48. And they are what we call the songs of triumph. Songs of triumph. Furthermore, it, had, it has also been grouped among the so-called songs of Zion. Songs of Zion, like Psalms 48, 76, 84, 87, and 122. So Psalms 46 extols the adequacy of God in facing threats, from nature and the nations. So nature and the nations, threats or disasters that are happening, those two subjects. So God indeed protects his people upon the earth when those things happen. And the major burden of Psalms 46 is that God provides his stability. God provides stability for his people who live in two exceedingly unstable environments. So if you, have, if you want to have a simple outline of this um, Chapter uh, first is the unstable environment of nature from verses 1 to 3 of Psalms 46. And it gives us the affirmation of this stability in verses 1 when it says, God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. There's the declaration, the affirmation in spite of disasters through natural disasters and disasters among nations like wars. God is the one that can give us stability, all right? And then there's the application of, his, of this stability in verses 2 to 3, when it says, Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. And we can see here um, mountains and uh, 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 what do you call that? Um, Waters roaring, all right, and mountains speaks of stability because those are things that are settled. And sometimes when earthquake comes, they dance, isn't it? And it's a fear, fearsome uh, time that, that happened, earthquakes because of volcanic eruption or the moving of the tectonic uh, plates uh, beneath the earth. But even though these things can be moved by those natural disasters, but our God is still gives us stability. All right. Even though the waters roar, or like tsunamis and and uh, big floods, big surgings of waters, 
Though, though it happens, God is still be able to protect us and is still our refuge and our strength. So the application of disability is found in there. And then not only the unstable environment of nature, but also the unstable environment of the nations from verses 4 to 11. And we read there, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. Verse 5, and all the way to all verse uh, 11, it speaks of nations and even the city of God. And I like that verse in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And in verse 11, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So, God can give us his ability. Amen? Even in the times of natural disasters and even in the times when nations are at war. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for uh, this psalm. Thank you, Lord, that we can once again revisit this and be able to see, Lord, how you are a faithful God, Lord, who are always there for us. And thank you, Lord, that you are always a very present help in times of trouble. And we can praise you. We can worship you. We can extol and magnify you, Lord, because thou art good at all times. In the good times or even in the evil or bad times, we can still praise you, Lord, for you, you work all things together for good. That's your promise, Lord, as we look at your scripture, as we believe it by faith. To them who are called by God, to them who are called according to his purpose, as you state in your word in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Lord, we are just thankful, Lord, for this time that we can, um, once again, Lord, uh, look upon your word. May I be uh, an encouragement, Lord, a comfort to thy precious people today. We pray once again for your um, protection as we worship you in this place. Thank you for the spiritual freedom. Thank you for the religious freedom that we still enjoy to gather freely uh, and be able, Lord, to just sing praises to your name. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to uh, magnify your name and, 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 and just praise it with the instruments of music this uh, morning and afternoon and with our voices, with the beautiful songs that we've sung about your uh, soon return, about uh, until then we need to keep on looking unto you, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, for these wonderful messages. And we know, Lord, that it lifted our, our hearts today and encouraged us and also even the promise of your, your soon return for that great trumpet sound for every believer, every uh, part of the body of Christ, Lord. We look forward to that time. And while we are hearing and um, experiencing, Lord, some catastrophes and disasters and uncertainties in our society nowadays, even currently, Lord, we are assured once again, we are comforted that everything is in your hands. Everything, Lord, is for a reason and for a purpose and you are still in control of all things that happen in this world, in every affairs of men. So we trust you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to continue to look up unto thee. And once again, Lord, as your people, we ask for your cleansing, forgiveness for any sins that you can see in our hearts, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. May you cover it with your precious blood. We repent of it, and may your word will have a free course in our midst today. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, let's uh, dive into the message in Psalms chapter 46, first verse there, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Notice the word God there, or Elohim. And we know that God has 
specific and definite nature and attributes that he only possesses. The most important element of God's nature is his holiness. Holy means simply set apart. And God is clearly separate from his creation based on his nature and attributes. Holiness is the foundation of all other aspects of God's character. As Revelation 15 says, you know, God is alone, God is alone holy that separates him from his creation. You know, Revelation 4.8 also describes that four living creatures who sing to God and declares and confess, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. Remember these four special beasts? The one has a face of a lion, the one has a face of an ox, the one has a face of a man, and the one has a face of eagle full of eyes, and they are covered with wings, and they hover around the throne room of God and day and night. Of course, it's only day in heaven, amen? There's no night. Every minute, every second, they just give worship and honor and praise to God. In that beautiful uh, revelation and vision of John the Beloved in the book of Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And these special creatures, special angels, know to put that holiness, the utmost uh, attribute or nature of God that separates him from humanity. Amen? We can strive to be holy, but God is the only one who's completely holy and just. Amen? He is completely holy. The Bible also says that it's God's holiness that makes him the consuming fire that will judge all sin. In Hebrews 12, 29, God is a consuming fire. Beautiful doxologies exalting God's holiness are found throughout the scripture. Like Psalms 99, verse 9, Psalms 33, 21, Psalms 77, 13, Psalms 89, 18, and Psalms 105, verse 3. These are beautiful doxology. It is also important to understand that God is an eternal spirit. We believe in three persons in one Godhead. Amen? Three distinct persons in one God, the triune God. We cannot truly fathom it, understand it with our human, you know, um, uh, limitations. But as somebody says, if you fail to believe in the Trinity, you will lose your soul. But if you try to understand the Trinity, you might lose your mind. That's why we believe in faith that there is only one God, but three distinct persons the Father, the Son, and the Spirit with different, you know, uh, ministries. And we've seen that throughout the Old and New Testament. We know that the doctrine is false if it denies the Trinity, views God the Father as a man, or denies the humanity and deity of Christ, as God says in 2 John 1.7. God is also by nature sovereign. Amen? He is judged by no one and has absolutely authority over the entire universe and everything in it. His sovereignty is expressed in many ways, including His omnipotence, or He is all-powerful. All of God's ways are right, Psalms 145, verse 17, and whether mankind believes God's ways to be fair is irrelevant. The Lord God is not constrained by time or place. He has a plan. He has had it from eternity past, and His purpose will be accomplished as he says in his word. And another key aspect of God's nature is his immutability, that he never changes at all. Amen? He does not change being the same yesterday, today, and forever, as the Bible declares in Hebrews 13, 8. He states outright in Malachi 3, 6, I, the Lord, do not change. And because of God's unchanging nature, we can depend on his blessings. Amen? 
When he said in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above, it cometh down from the Father of lights who doesn't, have, who doesn't change, you know. And, um, and, and thank God he's a, he's a great God who is a great giver of all good things. So the Almighty's sovereignty speaks to his right to do whatever he wishes, and his omnipotence speaks to his ability to do so. He also knows everything from eternity to past to eternity future and everything in between. Amen? Everything we think and do and say, he knows all of those things. He has personal knowledge of every person who has ever lived or will live, knowing them intimately in every way. It is encouraging to hear God's word in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I form you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I had set you apart or sanctified you. So that's the God that this psalmist is talking about. Amen? He is a God who is holy. He is a God who is eternal. He is a God who is a spirit. He is infinite. He is sovereign. And we see this wonderful omni, omnis of God, isn't it? He is omnipotent or, or powerful. He is omniscient or all-knowing. And I would like to stress this to you today. He is also omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. Amen? That's why the Bible says, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And of course, he is also God of mercy and grace and a God of love. These are the wonderful attributes of God. And let me ask you this question, isn't it? There are things that happen in your life and in this world that will forever live an impression in your heart or will forever mark your mind. Uh, here in uh, America, in the human history that happened in America, there are some things that happened here that truly impacted a lot of Americans. They, it was so deeply impacted them that they will be forever engraved in their minds and in their hearts, and they know where they were, where they are, and what they're doing during that time when it had happened. Uh, here in America, if you recall, the Space Shuttle uh, Challenger on January 28, 1986. Oh, I was only six years old. You know, um, this shuttle uh, broke apart just 73 seconds after liftoff. And the seven crew perished instantaneously during time. It was such a devastating tragedy here in the aviation of America when they're trying to explore the outer space. And also... Space uh, Shuttle Columbia in February 1 of 2003 uh, also perished when now it re-enters the uh, atmosphere of the Earth. It burned and um, uh, seven crews also perished. And the world uh, here in America could never forget that. How about John F. Kennedy, isn't it? When he was assassinated around November 22, 1963. Uh, America was shocked during that time because they, they believe he was uh, the greatest Democrat president, isn't it? Um, and we, we see um, the families, uh, museums and stuff here in, in the Northeastern, in Massachusetts area and stuff, isn't it? Uh, in honor of this uh, family and they said they had a curse with them. <laughs> one by one keep on dying uh, and also, of course, 9-11, isn't it? Uh, September of, uh, wow, 2001. 
and you know where you were if you're already here in America. It was such a tragedy, a catastrophic event that happened, the loss of thousands of lives. So if you also recall um, what had happened in December 12, 2012, on a Friday in Connecticut, isn't it? That's what we call the Sandy Hook uh, shooting, when innocent little children were slaughtered like animals. And people are questioning, where was God during that time when evil was seemingly allowed to run free on a wild rampage? And it truly affected the whole uh, public school system of uh, America, isn't it? They start placing security guards and stuff, and there's uh, more restrictions with, um, with guns and mental health and all those stuff. Um, it was a sad, sad time here in America when those little children who are looking for uh, their Christmas party, you know, uh, spend their Christmas party in heaven, especially those that are very young and, and, and innocent, don't know, doesn't know what's right and wrong. Where was God during those times? Where was, where was God in the times of Nehemiah when Jerusalem was lying in ruins, when the gates, as I said a while ago, were burned, the walls were broken down, the temple was desecrated? You know what the answer is? He's always there. God is always present in these difficult circumstances. So there are things that I'd like to give you today as we concentrate on verse 1 of Psalms 46. When we ask the question, when bad things happen, when evil things happen, when things happen that we don't like or out of control, where is God during those times? First and foremost, you know, the same place, when Adam rebelled in Eden, he is still present because he was just waiting there to cover his sin. Genesis chapter 3. We'll look at some examples in the Bible. Where was God when man first raised his ugly head of defiance and rebellion? Was God really present? Couldn't he have stopped it before it began? Oh, it is not a matter of whether or not he could have stopped it. It is a matter of his design for humanity and his plan of redemption. He designed us with the freedom of choice. And in God's sovereignty and foreknowledge, he made provision before the world was ever created for man's redemption. Knowing full well that man would make disastrous choices from the beginning. That's why when Adam and Eve finally fessed up or messed up, he was there all along with a covering for their nakedness and shame, exacting the ultimate punishment on an innocent victim to cover man's sin, but he was there all along. He prepared an animal, isn't it? And ripped out its skin and covered them. And there was the guilty being given the skin of an innocent animal. And it's uh, foreshadowing the Lamb of God, one of one of these days that was prophesied in Genesis 3.15, that will be crucified on the cross. But when man fell into sin, God is always there all along, waiting to redeem him. Second thing, where was God? The same place when he was, when Noah built the ark, he is, once again, very present. He was there protecting him from disaster. We can find that in Genesis chapter 6 to 9. Sadly, man's rebellion did not end with Adam and Eve. Sin brought a curse to the earth and bad things began to happen. Not because of God, but because of man's sins against God. Because the Bible says, 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. There's a curse that was placed on the earth and every creation because of sin. Things began to decay. Things began to, uh, to die. Things began to be uh, destroyed because of man's sin. And we know that Adam's sons and their sons' sons for every generation followed in the rebellious path until such time that the wickedness of man filled the whole earth and his stench rose us as an offense to the holiness of God. And it, yet in the midst of such ungodliness and evil, we found in Genesis 6-8 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Imagine all the people in the world during that time were evil to the core. Amen? But Noah, praise be to God, found grace in his eyes. We know he was a man not perfect, but the Bible, Bible says he was righteous, who faithfully proclaimed the righteousness of God. As God says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, that Noah is the eighth person who preached righteousness. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, the old creation, amen? During the times of Adam and Eve, to be reserved unto judgment, he but he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. How many years did he preach? That there's a judgment coming? There's a, a great waters coming, flood coming? 120 years. Look at that, with no converts. Like even Jeremiah. But he was faithful, preaching. At least his family listened to him, isn't it? His uh, sons and their wives. So only eight persons. Imagine. God is still merciful. Amen? God is still gracious. He could have wiped out the whole humanity. Amen? Because of its wickedness. But look, he has a promise. He has a promise all the way from Adam and Eve that there's a Messiah that would come, that will be born of a woman. Amen? Seed of a, of a woman that will bruise the head of the serpent, the enemy of man. Because man lost its uh, title, deed of the earth, when man fall into sin, has given it to Satan. But there will come a time that God will redeem man completely, even the title, deed of the earth, when he comes back to rule and reign and establish his millennial reign. So we see here, even though Noah was not perfect, but he was righteous enough to be used by God to proclaim God's righteousness and upcoming uh, judgment during that time. And when God, grieved by man's wicked rebellion, determined to wipe man from the face of the earth, he furthermore determined to spare Noah and his family and from their stock, look at this, repopulate planet earth. So in mankind's, in mankind's greatest natural disaster, God was on his throne very present, protecting his own. Do you need the, God's protection this time? He's always there. Amen? Oh, every day, God is protecting us, isn't it? Oh, we see some um, news from our brethren. They could have been in this accident or that. They could have been uh, in an accident but had gotten worse experiences. But God still was there to protect. God was protecting his own. Where was God? Thirdly, the same place he was when Joseph was rotting in jail. Once again, where, is, where was God? Present. Amen? God is a refuge and sent a very present help in trouble. Ever present. And during this time, he is 
accomplishing his perfect will for higher purposes. Then man can discern ahead of time. We see the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 all the way to chapters 50. He is accomplishing his perfect will. He doesn't know during that time while he's suffering because if ever anyone was misunderstood and ill-treated, I think it was Joseph of the Old Testament. Amen? Huh? Did you see uh, his, uh, the show uh, Joseph in Sight and Sound? I think that's one of the, uh, we call it Christian Broadway, you know. One of the uh, things that I, I went to that I was emotional that made me cry. Isn't it? Especially that moment when he revealed himself. You know, that was a dramatic a strong uh, emotional moment when he redeemed himself among his brothers who betrayed him, isn't it? But look at Joseph. He was misunderstood and ill-treated. If ever anyone suffered wrongly, it was Joseph. Yet with all his hardships and problems and abuse, Joseph was able to honestly say in Genesis 50, 20, Genesis 50, 20, just to paraphrase it, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. You know? God meant it for good. You did me evil, but God through it all in His sovereignty and grace meant it for good. Wow, we can always trust God's hand. Amen? That's a, a tremendous story. This was certainly true in the case of Joseph's brother selling him into slavery. Wow, you're selling Dugo, no? Uh, uh, you, they betray you, they deny you, they sold you, you know? And then Mrs. Fortifar falsely accusing him of attempted rape, as we know the story, and even the lapse of memory of his friend Butler, whom he helped interpret the dream, and it became true, because God was with him, and he said, give me a good word to the Pharaoh, but he forgot. He forgot. Yet, each step of the way, God was able to take Joseph's trying circumstances and mold him ever more closely into the man he would one day become. Isn't it? God was there all the time in the life of Moses. Though I'm sure Joseph must have wondered at times where God was, but in the end, he knew well that God was there all the time until God raised him up to be the second most powerful person in the empire of Egypt. And God used him to save his brethren from that famine. Amen? You see? Even though it was evil, but God meant it for good whatever he went through. So where was God? Fourthly, the same place God was when Job lost his children and everything he had, except his nagging wife. <laughs> through thick and thin, through that do us part. Huh? She's, she's there also. So where was there when Joseph lost everything of value that he had? God was still present. Amen? That's always the answer. He's always present. And he was there present, proving himself to be God, despite of unfortunate circumstances. And we can find his story in Job chapter 1 and 2. Proving himself to be God, despite of unfortunate circumstances. Look at this. Just as Noah's generation experienced Earth's greatest natural disaster, the global worldwide flood, that destroyed every living creature whose breath is under their nostril, we can see in Job's story, in Job's narrative, that Job would surely rank among the top in man's history as experiencing the greatest personal disaster. Have you 
Know of someone in your lifetime who suffered as Job suffered. Wow. Because he lost everything he had all in one day. Isn't it? His fortunes, his children, and even his health. Wow. And God is testing his faith as we look at his story, isn't it? Again, we see a man, a good man. The Bible says God, uh, he's just and righteous, a godly man, standing for what is right. And he is so uh, in tune with God that he even offers sacrifices in behalf of his children. Because he think like they make merriment and they have a party and probably they curse God in their heart. So he makes a, a sacrifice, an atonement for them, interceding for them, even before the law was even given for animal sacrifice in the temple, isn't it? He was already interceding for them. You know what? Uh, a righteous person. But well, the question is, did being blameless and up upright make Job immune from problems or even disaster? Of course not. Amen? Job lived in a planet that at times experienced tornadoes um, and natural disasters like tornadoes, earthquakes, and fire. And these are the ones that destroyed his family. Isn't it? In one day. Earthquake, the, his house fell down and his, fa his children with it and they all perished. Uh, fire devoured his animals, his domestic animals and properties. And even tornadoes and hurricanes. It all happened in one day. There were evil men in his day too who were willing to kill and steal to get what they wanted. And he became the special target of satanic fury because the Satan, you know, asked God for permission to try him because he was such a righteous and a just man. So, mag-isip tayo, sana hindi ako ganun ka-righteous and just. <laughs> baka, baka mapansin ako ni Taning. Uh, but of course, uh, he will allow his demons, his minions, isn't it? To tempt you, to make you fall and trap you because Satan's design is to kill, steal, and destroy and he became a special target of the satanic fury that Satan is the destroyer who seeks, seeks to kill above all else. And he's not discriminating between anybody, even innocent little children, and also guilty man whose heart the devil can likely possess, whom was possessed, I think, with that person who, who shoot those innocent children in Sandy Hook shooting way back December of 2012. God does not cause such tragedies, but sometimes removes his straining hand and allows mankind to see that the wages of sin is death. Isn't it? He removes his straining hand. So we know from the, the life of Job that Job lost everything of value, even his precious children. Where was God when that happened? Where was God? Had he turned his back on Job? Would Job re in return turn his back from God? No and no. And we know from his testimony that God had not deserted Job and Job would not curse God even though he was urged to do so. By who? By his, sadly, his nagging wife. Job, you lost your health, you lost your family, you lost your wealth. So curse God and just die while you're, you know, there in sackcloth having boils all over your body. Wow. What a supportive wife. Amen? Okay. Probably she's experiencing pity for him. He doesn't want him to suffer, just curse God and die. But what did Job do? Job maintained his integrity and recognized that it was God's sovereign prerogative to give and to take. And it was his duty just to trust God. That's why he says in Job 1.21, 
He went and said, you know, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked will I return hither. In all these things, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow, what faith, amen? What integrity before God after losing everything that he had. He still blessed God. He remembered that he came from dust, and in dust he will return. He remembered that he did not have anything when his mother brought him out into this world, and everything that he had comes from God. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even he has three friends, isn't it, who question him. And they were silent for many, many days, but still he trusts God in everything. And you know what? God blessed him more at the end of his life. He, God gave him double of all the things he had lost because God was still present in times of his trouble. He was just proving that he is still God. Where was God? We could go on and on and tell of experiences such as Moses in Exodus 1 to 4 on the backside of the desert. Where was God during that time? For the first 40 years of the life of Moses, he thought he was somebody. He was next in line probably to be the next pharaoh in Egypt. He, was, he had the best education. He has the best luxurious life in Egypt, even though he knew that he was an Israelite. The blood, you know, is still like, you know, ebb on his veins, and he knew he, he's not an Egyptian. That's why when he saw that Egyptian trying to uh, persecute and give an Israelite a hard time, you know, he thought that he can do something of a change and he killed that person and he just bothered his conscience and he fled uh, through prayer because of that fear and from being somebody in Egypt, he became a nobody in the desert. For 40 more years, God is training him. Why aren't you glad God can use, you know, anybody who was a nobody to become somebody to bless anybody for the glory of God? And that was Moses. On the backside of the desert, being prepared for greater service. Where was God when he was there? He was there very present. How about Samson in Jude uh, 14 to 16? Judges 14 to 16, I should say. That story can be found in Judges 14 to 16. When Samson, who was supposed to be the greatest and strongest man in earth, isn't it? Stronger than the Hulk, all right? or stronger than yeah, a well-known wrestler. But he disobeyed God. He rebelled against God. He did not honor God and his vow. And he was deceived once again by a woman, a Delilah, Delilah, I think was his name, isn't it? And we have a game, Samson, Delilah, and the lion. And who beats this and that, depending on what you act out, isn't it? So we had a game about that. So we know that he lost his strength, not because of his long hair, even though it's a sign, but because of his disobedience to God. Isn't it? And the Philistine, his enemy, are making fun of him. Oh, look at this strongest person who killed a lot of us during his lifetime. Now he's just, you know, um, uh, doing the harvest to us, turning that, that thing that makes the harvest. And they make fun of him. They make a sport of him, as the Bible says. But he, in time of weakness... Ask God for one more time while he was groping in that darkness to be strengthened. And God used him once more to be that judge, isn't it? And he killed the enemies of God more than his death, than his, in his lifetime. Where was God when Samson was groping in that darkness? He was there again present. Present. Never left him. It was only him who left God. How about Jonah? 
In Jonah chapters 1 to 4, we know his story because once again of disobedience and rebellion against God because he doesn't want God to show mercy to the Ninevites who killed a lot of his people. What did he do? He went in opposite of the direction where God wants him to go. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went to Tarshish, the opposite, Spain. What happened? What happened? God prepared a great storm, great waves. And then he realizes the cause of that tragedy. And he said, throw me overboard. And he was swallowed by a great fish. Tayong Pilipino, we swallow fish, isn't it? Huh? Especially Brother Henry, he loves the fish head. You know, blue fish or whatever. Or uh, dangit, you know, it's good. But here, he was swallowed by a great fish. And he survived, amen? He was learning though that God's way is best. Was he in trouble during that time? Yes, he was. But he cried unto God, isn't it? And God was still present. He was ever present. How about Daniel? Daniel 6. Being thrown to, hung, to the hungry lions. Even though he was trying to do what's right. Praying before God, isn't it? But there are people who are envious of him. Who spy against him. And try to report him. And oh, I cannot break my decree as the, the king says. So he has to be thrown in the lions then. Very, very hungry lions. But you look at this. He was resting. He started resting comfortably. And he made the lion's skin his warmer. Amen? In that cold night in that cave. While jealous men sought to end his life because of his faithful testimony. But he was resting. Comfortably. Because he knew God is not finished with him. He knew he is in the middle of God's will and he will be protected. How about Peter and John? Where was God when they were beaten for preaching the gospel in Acts chapters 3 to 5? Being given greater opportunities for sharing the good news of Christ. God was present. He was Present with them even in times of being persecuted. Amen? Very present help in trouble. Because he's st they're still sharing the good news of the Messiah who had come. Who, was, who died for the sins of man. Who was buried. Who rose again. How about Paul? In Acts chapters 14 to 28. Being stoned, shipwrecked, and imprisoned. Where was God when he was in those times? Once again, the answer is... Ever present. He is always present. He was there with him because he is being assured that all things work together for good to them who love God. And truly, with all those stoning, he survived that. Amen? Shipwreck, he survived that. Even being in prison, he survived that. And he became the witness to the highest officials of the known empire of that land. He was able to witness to King Agrippa, even to uh, Emperor Nero. He was brought all the way to the top officials of the empire during that land to show and become a witness and testimony of Jesus Christ, of what he has done on the cross. Where was God in all those times? He was there all the time. Amen? Amen. Very present, ever present, as God says in his word, in times of trouble. And I'll end with this. Where was God? You know, uh, they said traditionally, Last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. You know, and I saw some people who have ashes here. Tradition here is the start of the Lenten season, as they say. Uh, it's a time that they can, uh, you know, uh, have prayer and exercise humility and 
divorce themselves, discipline themselves with uh, the cares of this world. They want to uh, uh, suppress themselves with some things in their life and concentrate more on some spiritual things. And of course, for us, uh, we always celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And we remember that uh, week where he was getting ready for the cross. And of course, uh, we take a moment to uh, think of, of those things. So that's why we're having Easter Cantara, amen? And we are uh, beginning to practice right now. And what would happen? Where was God when Christ was hanging on the cross? The same place he was on another Friday when his own son's innocent life was being taken from him. You know, God, the Father, was still present. Jesus was God, amen, in the flesh. He is enduring the pain for the benefit of others. God was ever present, even the time when Jesus, his only begotten son, was enduring the pain of sin and God's judgment upon him for the benefit, for the salvation of all human beings, of all the world. God was ever present. You know what? Even the Father did not flee the sin when Christ was hanging on the cross. When the sin of the world was placed upon His Son in His humanity, even Jesus felt forsaken, isn't it? He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He is asking because he cannot feel the presence of God, but he was still there. He had just, God the Father has to turn his back from the Son because the curse of sin was placed upon him. He bore the sin of the whole humanity from the past, present, and future. God was still ever present when he allowed sin to run its course, and that is always a most ugly sin in the eyes of God. And if you can just imagine with me for a few moments, oh, what agony, isn't it? Oh, what horror, oh, what anguish, oh, what pain Christ was suffering during that time. Not just the thorns on his brow, not just the lashes on his back, not just the bruises from the reeds and feasts of his captors, not just the plucking of his beard from his face, as the Bible says in Isaiah 53, not just the insult of the splint, or the spittle being spread at him of this unjust man, not just the nails in his hands and feet, not just the piercing on his side. All of this yet, plus the weight of the sins of the world pressing down on his shoulders. This was being experienced by Jesus Christ. All this pain and horror simultaneously. So where was God when his one and only son hung dying on the cross? Did God the Father know? Were the mockers right? Shouldn't Jesus have been able to come down from the cross? Couldn't the Father have prevented it? Was Christ helpless? Was he not aware? Was God not there and did not care? Of course, God knew. Amen? Of course, he could have prevented it. Of course, he could have stopped it. Of course, he wasn't helpless. Of course, he was aware. And of course, he cared. The father knew it was happening. He could have stopped it, but he did not. All for a reason and a purpose. And to glad because of that, we are all glad. Amen? Because we had salvation. Because we had salvation. Because of what Christ had done on the cross. You know what? Because God had a larger picture in view. Aren't you glad God knows the beginning to the end? 
and everything in between, even the suffering of his son. There was a greater good to be accomplished by the suffering and death of Jesus. Though the suffering of one, many would be made whole. Through the suffering of one, many would be made whole. Through the sacrifice of one, many would be, have their sins forgiven. Through the death of one, many would be made of life, alive. That happened to you and me, amen? amen? The time of our salvation. The time we receive and call upon Jesus to save us. Aren't you glad God was not just sitting idle and helpless as his son suffered? He was still using the schemes of wicked, evil hearts to bring about the redemption of mankind. We are reminded in Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways because His ways and His, his thoughts are higher than ours. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm glad of that. Amen? Amen. So if you're suffering right now, you don't understand. Maybe you have physical suffering. Maybe you have financial suffering. Maybe you have relational suffering. You know what? I can still assure you from Psalms 46 that God is still your refuge and your strength. He's still present in times of trouble. And He is a very present help in times of trouble. I'll conclude with this. We know what's happening in Ukraine, isn't it? We hear of stories and reports of even Christians who are staying there, praying, asking God to intervene. Because there's no good thing that comes out of wars, isn't it? Loss of lives, loss of properties, loss of trust, loss of harmony, loss of unity, you know? Um, but you know what? As we see here in Psalms 46, there's a, a, a page here that God ceases, uh, wars to cease at the end of the earth in verse number 9. He makes wars to cease. And in, in his timing, he can, he can do that, isn't it? He, he can accomplish something that he can only see because he is God, he is sovereign. So we're, we're still praying for the Christians there. But aren't you thankful as we conclude that because God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, that we're thankful, we just sang it a while ago, that this world is not our eternal home. We are just passing through. We are what we call ambassador in exile. Amen? You and I are ambassador, ambassador in exile. Now the question is, how should I represent my king who has placed me here in these last days? And that was the motivation in this morning's message, isn't it? To be watchful and be sober because we are living in the last days. That the soon return of Christ can happen imminently. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your word this afternoon that just uh, remind us that truly our God, our God, our Elohim is our refuge and our strength. Refuge, refuge. Things that we can go to, Lord, to find protection, to find safety, to find sustenance. Truly, Lord, you are that in all times. And also you are strength. Lord, there are times we are discouraged, we get depressed, we become weak. But thank you, Lord, we can find strength in your promises, in your word. We can find strength through your Holy Spirit that assures us 
that all be well for a Christian. We just need to continue to live by faith and just depend on you at all times. Thank you, Lord, for that song we heard a while ago that Christ gives peace. Oh, Lord, yes, we can be worried. We can fret with everything that's happening around us. But once again, when we look with a spiritual eye upon your design in this world, we can look also that in the future, even though evil men prosper, but they don't know their end. They don't know their eternal end. And we also like, Lord, pray for them that people will continue to have open eyes to see the truth, that there's a God in heaven that will judge their sin. But God also had prepared a way of escape through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that if they just recognize their sinful condition and ask God for forgiveness and repent of their sins and just by faith call upon Jesus' name for salvation, they'll be saved. They'll be saved for that judgment to come, the judgment of being separated for, from God and to be cast into hell and the lake of eternal fire. Thank you, Lord, that there you uh, gave us a solution, Lord, for man's greatest, greatest problem, the problem of sin and its curse. And we thank you, Lord, that we're just passing through this, this world. So help us, Lord, to really invest on what matters for eternity. And we are glad, Lord, at all times as a Christian, you promise us that God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. As we see as the examples in the scripture that you are ever present in the life of Adam and Eve, in the life of Noah, in the life of Job, in the life of Moses, in the life of Joseph, in the life of Daniel, in the life of Peter and John or Paul, and even the very life of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are not suffering. You truly, Lord, you've never leave us nor forsake us. The problem is just us, Lord, who leave you. We're the ones who go away from you, Lord, because we thought that we can do things to ourselves. We can depend on the energy of the flesh. Or we are given that false notion, that deception from the enemy. Oh, God is done with you. You have disappointed him. You have sinned against him. You, he's done with you. He will not use you anymore. You lost your blessing from God. But we're thankful, God Almighty, that you are merciful and patient toward us. You just want us to go back to you in humility. Ask for forgiveness and continue to be in your love. So if you're here today, before we end this invitation, if you are here, um, first and foremost, if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, if never truly been born again to his family, what I mean is you've never been saved, you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, this is now the time open your heart and life and just by faith ask him to save you it's simple to be saved because God did all the work on the cross his son is only begotten son because he knew that we could never be saved we could never be as perfect as God is to enter his kingdom we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God so today if you will just call upon his name like this Lord Jesus I believe that you died on the cross for my sin you shed your blood and you rose again to save me. And I know that I am a sinner. 
And I want you to forgive me of all my sins. I repent of it. And by faith, I want to ask you to save me, come into my heart and life to be my Lord and personal Savior. If you pray that prayer by faith, the Lord says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in Romans 10, 13. Just believe Him. Just call upon Him in humility. He'll save you. And if you're here, you're a Christian, and you are in trouble right now. You are feeling some uncertainties. You are uh, sort of fearful. Maybe you're losing your peace because of things that are happening in the world or things that are happening in your personal life. I want to encourage you. God is our refuge and strength continuously. He is continuously ever a present help in time of trouble. Just call upon His name. Ask Him for strength. Ask Him for His protection. Ask Him for His peace. And He will give it to you. Continue to dwell in His Word. Continue to dwell in prayer. Continue to dwell and support the life and activities of the church. Be involved. As we see the day approaching of His soon return. May the Lord find us faithful. Lord, as your people pray whatever you had laid upon their heart, thank you, Lord, for the reminder once again today that our God truly is our refuge and our strength. Lord, there were some moments in our lives that we exhausted our means of hope internally upon our own. But we thank you, Lord, that you are there to remind us that you are just a prayer away. You are there all the time, Lord, for us. And you just need us, Lord, to voluntarily, Lord, in all humility come to you. As you had invited us, come unto me, all you that labor and have heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and I will give rest upon your souls. Thank you, Lord, for the, that peace and the trust that you give us in times of natural disasters and even nations having warfares, Lord. We can always trust your sovereign hand. And help us, Lord, as we face another week. Help us to be your uh, channel of blessing to someone. Help us to be your witnesses, Lord, into this world. May you impress upon our heart to, to pray for somebody and to be in the spirit of prayer for, all, for the many needs that we have both here in our church, in our family, and abroad. And help us, Lord, most of all, to tell somebody about your love. And we thank you, Lord, for what you reminded us this afternoon, for everything that we learned today. In Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen.